It takes more than being well-known on tech Twitter to be a great software engineer. This is episode 150 of the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast. I am your host, Jameson Dance. I'm your host, Dave Smith. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice show where we answer all of your non-technical questions about the technical field of software development. And you know it's good because we're well-known on tech Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) But are we really? No. (laughs) We're not that (laughs) well-known. No. We we are known exactly the amount we deserve to be known. Yeah, which is how it works on tech Twitter, right? Like... (laughs) People have the right number of followers for how good they are at technical things. <laughs> it's directly correlated. Yeah. You just look at We were talking about this before the show. You just have to reduce everything down to one number and make that number go up. That's right. So <laughs> there really, it is. That's if you want to be number. a better developer, make that number of followers go up. My Twitter follower count actually matches my weekly bug rate. Uh, In... Oh, hmm. I write thousands of bugs per week. (laughs) It's the cost of being outrageously productive. I know. (laughs) Rockstar programmer. (laughs) Yeah. I just just throw four loops at the wall and see what sticks. (laughs) (laughs) Can you believe that this is episode 150? No. We've never acknowledged any milestone because we're scared to not. We didn't do anything special. But that's still a, a big round number. Good work, Dave. It has a zero at the end. Yeah. Those are good numbers. I've mentioned this a couple times on the show, but honestly, when we started this idea, I thought there's maybe three or four, maybe six episodes of material in this universe. (laughs) We we are sitting on a question backlog of hundreds of questions that we haven't gotten to yet. So we're not going anywhere, people. (laughs) (laughs) If you hate this show, we're sorry because we're we're still going. (laughs) Yep. Not until we have it all figured out. We are a while away from that. We're so. like weeks away from that at least. Yeah. At, we're at least two weeks away from finishing this show, <laughs> which is how all my software estimates work. <laughs> uh, do you want to thank our wonderful patrons? Yes. Thank you for those who are supporting us on Patreon at the level where they get a shout out every week. That's Matthew Voidovich, the Agile Ventures Charity, Zach Granin, Luis Santos, Nick Cantar, Sean Clayton, good old Sonic the Hedgehog. Marais Rousseau and Chris Hogan. Thank you so much. If you'd like to support us, tell them where they can go, Jameson. They can go to softskills.audio and click the support us on Patreon button. I have, uh, I don't know if we want to edit this out or what, but actually Marais Rousseau DM'd me and said, you pronounce it as Marais. And also don't worry about my last name. So I assume (laughs) that means we've been butchering it so much that He's given up hope. That's right. <laughs> they are clearly not qualified to pronounce my last name. <laughs> maybe next year. Sorry. Maybe next year Murray will write in and say, and now you get to learn how to say my last name. <laughs> You've proven worthy. Thanks, Murray. And I apologize for all the times I said your name wrong. I only apologize uh, for this time because that's the only time I knew. But the rest of the time, I was just doing my American best. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's get into the questions. All right, should Um, I read our first one? Yeah, please do. Okay, this comes from Alex. Alex says, I worked for four years doing web development for a company while I got my degree, and I loved it. I eventually became the lead developer because I had been on the team the longest, which is the the best qualification for a promotion to tech lead. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Alex has been here the longest. Okay. All right. Alex goes on to say, I thought it was really cool. I worked with the team to make organizational tech decisions. I trained new hires, held regular meetings to discuss projects. But after six months, imposter syndrome started sneaking in, and I felt like I was making things worse, not better. 
I figured the team needed someone who actually had senior level experience and the pressure was getting to me, so I bailed. I've since had a few people approach me and say they want me to join their early stage startup in a technical leadership position. I haven't outright declined, but I'm nervous about getting put in a position where the stakes are even higher. My question is, is this pressure of being responsible for everything ever lessens? Is it something that gets better as you get more experience? Is everyone in technical leadership feeling this pressure and doing a good job to hide it? What can I do to gain the confidence to eventually lead another team? Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, it's like the nose game method. Like whoever puts their finger on their nose last, that person is the technical lead. <laughs> Someone's looking looking down at their phone. They look up and go, huh? <laughs> the tenure does sometimes correlate with experience, especially at startups where there's, yeah, I don't know. It's not the worst way. Uh, and I assume that wasn't the only reason too. It was probably because probably you know what you're doing. One thing you should know about me is that when I was in a director role, I put a college student intern as a technical lead of one of my teams. So, you know, I, <laughs> You're like right in line with my <laughs> with my philosophy. All right. Good work for Dave. <laughs> uh, I felt like I was making things worse, not better. That's a really interesting feeling. I feel like I feel imposter syndrome sometime. And the form I feel it in is um, I don't really know what I'm doing or how to solve this problem. And I assume other people do. And they're just kind of like sitting there with their arms folded saying, Will Jameson figure out the thing I already know that he should do? But it mm. doesn't usually come in the form of me feeling like I'm actively making things worse. And I feel like I I I try to I think I can notice tangible results based on my efforts. And that is one thing that helps kind of combat the feelings too. It's like, well, these people are happier now that I'm here, or we got more done, or there's a higher standard for quality, or um Wait a minute. All, all kinds you, of different things. You just cited three things that are not measurable. How do you, <laughs> how do you know they got better? I just feel it. I feel it in my gut, Dave. Okay. I don't know. The gut uh, the gutometer. Yeah, it is heavily gut based. <laughs> um, people being happy, you can just ask them. <laughs> are you That's... happier or less happier than this same time twelve months ago? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do some uh, do some audience surveys. I, uh, that's probably a separate discussion, how you measure those things. But I think it, it part of what you do as a team lead is, is uh, well, this depends wildly, actually. But some of it might involve solving kind of like organizational or problems or, or team-wide problems. And you should be able to say, like, my efforts are having an effect or not. So some of it could be kind of looking at the results of your of your efforts instead of just going with this feeling of, like, I feel like I'm not doing a good job. Yeah, and and I can say that from my experience, this feeling of not really knowing if you're doing a good job uh, it actually never really goes away, <laughs> I think. Um, and once in a rare while, you get a glimpse into something that tells you, yes, you're doing a good job or no, you're not. But I still remember the first time I stepped into a management role, full-on people management. This is after years of technical leadership. I stepped in and I'm just like, okay, I'm here to learn, figure out what I can figure out. And then after a year... My CEO asked me, how are you doing? Like, do you feel like you've learned and you're performing well at this point after one year? And I said to him, I have no idea. Like, <laughs> and this is after I've been in the industry for over 10 years in, in various leadership roles, technical leadership roles. I still had nothing. I just had no idea. Did you think you were doing a bad job or you just really had no idea 
Like, did you feel like you were doing a bad job but weren't really sure? Or did you just feel like I could be doing an amazing job or I could be horrible or I could be fine? I think this, yeah, (laughs) it's kind of a little bit of that, all three. Like, I think though, I think the spectrum leaned towards more like, I know I'm not doing a terrible job. Like my team hasn't all quit. My, you know, the building hasn't burned down. We haven't had any major outages and, you know, the on-call rotations are functioning properly and, you know, we're getting customer issues dealt with in a timely manner. So, you know, like that stuff, all pretty good. Um, but then the big question was like, are there huge things that I'm missing and <laughs> that I'm not doing? Yeah. Uh, and I felt like there were. I just didn't know what they were. Nervous about being put in a position where the stakes are even higher. I, th- I think there's probably something interesting to explore there. The pressure getting to you and this and worrying about the stakes being even higher. Mm-hmm. I feel like in my experience, the times where I've learned the most have been times where I felt like I don't think I've ever been somewhere where I felt like I was utterly incapable of doing the work. I, th- I think that would be a hard place to learn. But the times I've learned the most have been where I wasn't sure if I was capable or not, but the gap wasn't so huge that I couldn't imagine a world where I could do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is some amount of fear of like, maybe I can't do it because I haven't done this kind of thing exactly like this or in the same situation before. But if someone could do it and they knew they could, they would probably hire that person instead. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think I think you can take people's word for it if they say they want to bring you in. I think there's a big difference in the pressure that one feels in these two scenarios where on the one hand, it's like, who should be our team lead? Uh, Alex, you've been here a while. Maybe you could do it. And Alex is like, sure. As opposed to, we deliberately made an offer to this person person to join our company and be our technical lead. It's like, oh boy, I got, you know, I really got to step up to that. On the first, mm. in the first situation, you can always just say, look, I, I, I didn't really sign up for this. I just fell to me because I was the person who'd been here the longest. Like, <laughs> pressure's off, right? Whereas in the second situation, it's like this company interviewed me, made me an offer with the title on the paper of technical lead, and now I got to live up to that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess that makes sense in terms of a different amount of pressure. Do you think uh, Alex mentions technical leadership a few times? Do you think that they mean literally focus purely on the tech or does that mean like engineering management? I think in this case it's tech. Yeah, it's kind of like yeah, lead lead developer, yeah. more more senior developer type thing. Um, I'm in a position where the stakes are even higher. I mean, I, I feel like there's a lot of stuff you could say to that. Um, there have been a lot of successful companies built on <laughs> poor technical foundations, <laughs> uh, and and given perfect knowledge of the past and the future, you could maybe argue maybe there would be more. There's probably some companies killed by bad technical decisions too, but I feel like very rare. Yeah, I feel like it's pretty rare. And if you're trying to do good work. That counts for a lot of things. If if you're looking out for mistakes and trying to learn from them and trying to fix problems as they come up, like I don't know, there's there's a pretty wide spectrum where someone can be effective uh, if if they care. Yeah. So caring covers a lot of potential issues. I just uh, when you said uh, companies that fail because of technical issues, I just had this thought in my mind where it's like, hey, how's your startup doing? Oh man, we totally flamed out and failed. Oh, what happened? We just couldn't figure out our database pooling. Then <laughs> we had to shut down the company. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, maybe like velocity issues where you can't get features out fast enough or something, but Yeah. I think and and, and I'm sure uh, Magnolia, do you remember that bookmarking service? No. They they were a yeah, bookmark tracking service where you could save all your bookmarks and they lost all of their data. 
all of it oh. and and didn't have any backups or lost all their backups or something. They just lost everything and we're like, well, I guess <laughs> our company is okay. gone. Okay, that's just a shut good the example. company down. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think that's pretty rare. I think the other the other way this manifests is in a second degree effect where you have or a second order effect where you have really bad technical decisions that lead to a quagmire of a code base that you have to work in that causes developers to leave because they're like, this is terrible. I don't want to work here. So that's kind yeah. of like a technical decision that manifests in the business. But so have hmm, have you ever worked somewhere where you felt like, you know, the code here is really good? <laughs> because I, I never have. Yeah. And maybe it's just maybe it's just acclimating to your environment and, and kind of like not seeing all the things that are working well, because it, it pains me personally when there are issues in the code, especially if a customer uncovers something caused by it. I'm like... Oh, I just feel it so deeply, but I feel like everywhere I've worked, the code has been about the same level of duct tape together. <laughs> and it's just like, that's what production code is everywhere. <laughs> it's It turns out that there will never be enough time to do it right and well, and everyone knows all the requirements up front. And yeah. I don't know. So what, you know, you've been now in a management role for a year or so and various technical leadership roles. What are the main differences between how you run a team today as compared to a few years ago when you had never, or when you were just starting out? I think I am much more comfortable setting expectations and holding people to those expectations. Mm. I think that I have a better understanding of how and what to push onto the team and what to do for the team. I think when I first started out, I was just like, well, I... I do everything, I guess. I just do do everything for everyone all the time. <laughs> Whenever they ask. <laughs> yeah. And and yeah, so maybe a little bit more focus. And I've seen enough things um go wrong, both from my part and from other people's part, that I feel like I'm a little bit more calm about most of it. I, I mean, if you've listened to the show, you know that I'm prone to stress sometimes <laughs> yeah uh and and when i first started yeah years ago i i took a i've kind of told this story before i i like lost the nose game at a startup and had a, a like people and technical leadership position and and i was just terrified and stressed out all the time of like um if i make a mistake then we're doomed and i've made a lot of mistakes and we haven't <laughs> ever been doomed so there's kind of just this broad feeling of like yeah, there'll be a lot of stuff that I don't know how to do and it'll probably be okay as long as I, it's kind of like the flip side of the, that thing I mentioned earlier where caring and trying counts for a lot um, and, and seeing that it counts for a lot has helped me relax a little bit. That's cool. Which if people know me now, they're like, you say you're relaxed, <laughs> but uh, compared to what I was, yes. Really? Yeah. And to me, you've always struck me as relaxed. Oh. Well, uh, relax is maybe the wrong term. Easily, I, I am less easily stressed out. Oh, okay. That that I can handle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. I mean, for me, I think one thing that I've learned is to, to more easily identify things that are important and unimportant and to recognize them as such rather than thinking that mm. everything is important, kind of like you were saying, you know, do everything for everybody. Do you Do you have an example? Yeah, like, okay, here's an example, you know, what kind of, we're writing this service, what kind of dependency injection framework should we use? And it's like, uh, I don't know. I don't think it really matters. <laughs> you know, like at yeah. the end of the day, um, I don't think it makes a huge difference. And it's the kind of thing we can undo if we find out that it's bad. 
uh, without too much effort. So, you know, that kind of thing. Whereas like one of my coworkers comes to me and says, I'm considering quitting. Okay. That's important. We should talk, right? (laughs) Yeah, probably. (laughs) Whereas I think, you know, younger Dave might've said these two things are equally important. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I could see that. That makes sense. Um, is everyone technical leadership feeling this pressure and doing a good job to hide it? Yes. I don't know if everyone is, but I certainly do. <laughs> you, yeah. You feel it or do a good job of hiding it? <laughs> uh, I feel it. I do not know if I, I guess I am admitting it publicly. So I'm now doing a poor job of hiding it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what can I do to gain the confidence? Uh, that, I think a lot of that is just experience. Yeah, I, I don't think it's something you can do outside of leading a team that will give you the confidence to lead a team. Yeah. Like no matter how many business books you read, <laughs> you're, you're still going to be not confident until you've been through it. Yeah. But I read Turn This Ship Around. <laughs> Why is this still hard? <laughs> <laughs> I know everything I need to know. Commander, whatever his name said, that I had to empower my my poop deck swabbers or whatever they are, and then the nuclear submarine would work effectively (laughs) that would be like i don't know the business analysts or something you got to translate all of the navy positions into scrum roles on your team (laughs) one you know one of the benefits of getting old is that the people that i knew when we were young careless i mean sorry when we were young carefree fun-loving kids (laughs) are now in these positions of responsibility, but I knew them when they were young and carefree. <laughs> and so it makes me realize like, wait a minute, that guy doesn't know anything and he's a CTO. <laughs> so I think the answer is uh, basically like no one is great at this and um, you don't have to worry about it. Like, and, and also everyone above you on the pecking order, they all secretly know that they were once just like you <laughs> and, and still, frankly, still are. But they've just learned how to kind of hide it and they've learned what's important, what's not important and how to do their job uh, in a way that makes them successful. Otherwise, they wouldn't be in that role um, unless they're the uh, son-in-law of the founder, which you know, <laughs> slightly different story. <laughs> but, but like they know, they understand it. And then I think the other thing that really helps me is that when I was a, uh, in a director role, I wanted to get feedback from my people so bad. And I remember I would dedicate significant portions of my one-on-ones with lots of people to ask open-ended questions like, name anything we should change. You know, what should we change? Is there something in our architecture, in our organization? What do you think we should change? And nine times out of 10, they'd be like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, isn't that your job to figure it out? (laughs) That's exactly right. Like people just, I think people spend a lot less effort thinking about how bad of a job you're doing than you think (laughs) when you're in a leadership role. Yeah. I'm trying to think about technical leadership that I've had. And I feel like most of the time I'm, I am a lot more focused on my own work. And there's, there's maybe a handful of times where I feel like I just really wish they would not do this thing or would do this thing. Uh, And past Jameson has mostly just ignored (laughs) having those conversations. I think I would (laughs) maybe approach him differently now, but I think I've also come to appreciate how nuanced and complex these situations are. And so sometimes when I say that was the wrong decision, and I'm referring to like a leader somewhere in the org chart up above me, I think I now appreciate that that leader probably had 12 other things on their mind as well that complicate this decision so much more than I appreciate right now. Um, So I, I mean, this is like me saying I'm a good follower because I've been a good leader or sorry. No, that's not true. (laughs) I'm a good follower (laughs) because I've been a leader, good or bad. 
don't try and guilt trip me and take away the time honored salve of complaining about how dumb all the people in charge me are. That's that's a <laughs> it's like a worker's right. <laughs> Those high muckety mucks don't know what it's like in the real world. Yeah. Uh yeah, have we answered the question? I think so. I'd say go for it. Everyone's flying by the seat of their pants. Jump in. There's no way to get confidence in this role except getting in the role and getting your hands dirty. Yeah. All right. I will read our next question. This is a short one from an anonymous listener. How do you step into the meetup scene? I have not attended one before, but the idea of them is interesting. However, there's this feeling that I would not fit in due to inexperience. Ooh. Interesting. So uh, I believe what you're supposed to do is you stroll up to those swingy doors, (laughs) but the saloon-style swingy doors, your spurs click against the ground, you step in, the player piano stops itself, I guess. <laughs> Everyone turns all the dirty, haggled, <laughs> not haggled, haggard faces <laughs> turn and look at you. And then they all turn back to their drinks. And the music and resumes. The music resumes. Yeah. It's kind of like that. You have to prove your cowboy or cowgirl cred. <laughs> and that is literally how you step into the meetup scene. Yep. The click of your spurs. What a what a masterpiece. And a steely gaze. <laughs> I can tell you've been reading huh. fiction recently. <laughs> All these great verbs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've not attended one before. I'm trying to remember my very first meetup I ever went to. I think mm-hmm. it was a Ruby meetup. Um, and I felt weird. I didn't know anybody. I was a student, and I feel like most of the people there were professional working developers, so they were on average older than I was. Uh, by like 12 it was, months <laughs> <laughs> i don't know looking looking back it, i swear they were all 40 and <laughs> titans of industry yeah but, uh, yeah this was so this was uh maybe a few months into me learning how to program at all so i i really didn't know anything or have any experience i just okay. heard ruby was cool and heard there was this meetup thing but I didn't really talk to anybody, but no one was mean to me. I don't know. I just sat and listened. And I actually met there a guy that I later worked with who became a friend, even Hmm. though we didn't really talk very much then. I just listened to him talk about protocol buffers. And then like (laughs) four years later, I was like, weren't you that guy that talked about protocol buffers one time? I was hiding in the corner. (laughs) Too shy to talk. Yeah. This question kind of presumes that there's some kind of experience bouncer standing at the door being like what six months get out of here kid yeah there's someone with a yeah like this test of a true developer or something yeah and and of course there is an implicit test when you start opening your mouth uh, but you don't have to open your mouth <laughs> you can just sit or you there. can just ask questions well if you're really worried about looking inexperienced <laughs> <laughs> that's true it might be hard to ask questions like what does that thing you said even mean but the, yeah. I think I think the real situation here is that at most of the meetups I've gone to, I would say more than half of the people there are extremely inexperienced, maybe just barely starting out, maybe even just having a desire to learn how to program. So yeah. not only not only are all the things Jameson and I have said so far total fiction, but in fact, you might find that you're not even on the lowest end of the experience level at the meetup. So I've felt that at, JavaScript meetups specifically, where yeah. there's a large, um, especially around here, there's a lot of boot camps, and the boot camps heavily encourage their students to attend meetups and, and their graduates as part of 
networking and finding a job. I haven't felt it as much at other other uh, technology or programming language meetups. I've been to Ruby ones and Go ones and general distributed systems ones, uh, some other ones too. And it felt like those are, um, all of the ones besides the JavaScript meetups felt like there was a smaller group and it was more experienced people in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes so sense. So it could maybe depend on the on the technology. And they were all very welcoming. None of them was forbidding. One of them was at some guy's mansion in the mountains. That was what? kind of weird, but it was what? welcoming. Um, it was just weird to be like sitting on this rich guy's couch. <laughs> if you can learn Ruby as well as I have, all of this can be yours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a bizarre experience. Uh, I feel like there's also... So there's the technical experience side, but there's also just the social part of it where you're going to this group of people who you assume all know each other and it's hard to meet new people and it's especially hard to be the outsider of a group and even harder if you feel like you maybe don't even qualify to be a part of that group. Mm -hmm. I, I could see how that uh, that could be the case. Um, what would I do if I were in that situation? You could reach out to the organizer and say, like, hey, I'm thinking of coming, uh, and just kind of introduce yourself if if especially if they're on meetup.com or any other website, there's a there's an easy way to find out who organizes the meetup. And I I feel like people that organize meetups are generally very interested in community and welcoming people and growing their their group. Yeah. So I think you could kind of intro yourself to someone there and and make a connection so you're not just going in cold without knowing anybody. Yeah, I'd say outside of like Bay Area insane meetups or New York City insane big meetups, most organizers are more concerned with growing their group than they are limiting who can come. Yeah, that's true. Those are a whole separate category. They're ba they're basically monthly conferences. Yeah. <laughs> um and are very high demand and and this the talks are kind of a different style and and quality and caliber. I'm, yeah, I'm thinking about like Brooklyn JS or Waffle mm -hmm. JS or all those mm -hmm. all those rad sounding ones that someday I'll go to. I like your idea of reaching out to the organizer just to get a sense for what's going to happen there before you show up. Um, yeah. I think that'll be a big confidence booster. And I, I'll bet you 99% of the time the, the organizer says, hey, happy to have you. Come say hello when you get when you get here and I'll shake your hand and introduce myself to you. Yeah. Most meetups I go to are are in the order of dozens of people. Like, um, like, like low single digit dozens. Yeah. <laughs> like five, <one. laughs> five to like 30 people are, are almost yeah. all of them. Uh, I I'm trying to think too. I organize a few conferences of several hundred people and have had attendees reach out like that before and just been super interested in meeting them and talk to them when they got to the conference. And mm -hmm. uh, there's just something about when you're running this group, you just, I don't know, you just want to make people feel welcome. So yeah. I think that would help. You could bring a friend too. Oh yeah, wingman. Yep. Although uh, I think I have seen that happen before and I've I've noticed people come new I, I used to run a meetup for a while for several years and there would be um people that would come with a friend and if both they and the friend were new they would often just kind of split off by themselves and then the problem would change from i don't know anybody so i won't talk to anybody so i don't know anybody so i'll just talk to my friend yes the whole time yeah um and i mean you could do whatever you want you can still do that and at least you're going but also if you do that um try and use it to break into meeting new people instead of just sitting back with your friend. I love it. Well, have we answered? I think so. The answer is just cool. go. Yeah, just go. Wear your spurs. <laughs> uh, be prepared to draw down. Practice bringing the brim of your hat 
up and down so that your eyes, the slits of your eyes just peer out from under the brim? Yeah, if you get that wrong, it looks really dorky. <laughs> Let me tell you. Your hat is, it's its not your eyes peering out. You just literally can't see anything. And you run into the post. And then when they ask you if you've heard about this new JavaScript framework, which is the equivalent of drawing down, you won't even be able to stare them in the eye. <laughs> good luck it's it's yep. the wild west out there <laughs> no it, it'll be friendly uh what should people do if they want their own questions answered hit us up on softskills.audio and click on ask a question thank you so much to those who have done so we are overwhelmed inundated one might say metaphorically with questions we really appreciate it keep them coming yeah thank you we'll catch you next week